four, 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 four. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pot of Thunder with your boy, the young lights can key sweat. And here to my left, my girl has blessed us with her presence for the first time on the EG Pot of Thunder. My girl, Cindy. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. Keep up with Sin and her clinician page, The Clinician Says. So, Cindy, thank you for blessing us with your presence. For those who don't know, you kind of want to give a little synopsis of what you do and what your job entails? Yes, yes, of course. And thank you for having me to begin with. Um, but yes, as you said, the clinician says that's my Instagram and it's all about mental health and um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, long story short, I am a licensed independent clinical social worker, LICSW. What that all means is that I'm a mental health therapist. I've gone through all the training and education to practice and I've been in the practice now for about five years. And I work with adults, children, young adults. I've seen a lot of situations um, surrounding mental health. And really, Effie allows me here today so we could talk more about that and just bring awareness to the importance of mental health and the services that I offer. You know, for sure, that's a big thing. A lot of people in this era, I think, is becoming more prevalent where it's like more of like uh, accepted now. Honestly, right right now I'm watching, um, just started watching The Sopranos. I'm not sure. Have you seen it before? I haven't. So the first season, the premise is, um, you know, the mob boss, the main guy, uh, Tony, he, um, one of the main characters is his therapist. Mm -hmm. And his kid is dealing with, um, oddly enough, ADHD. That's on the topic, of topics to talk about. But, um, and when it comes up to his parents, like his, his kid's school says, hey, we think... Your child has this, is diagnosed with this. And both the mom and the Tony are kind of like stunned. Like, no, he does. He doesn't have this. They're kind of like taken back. And even him going to see a therapist, he wants nobody to know. It's yeah. like, don't tell nobody, you know, I've ruined my reputation. So all that being said, it's like, even, like that was film like 99, I think. Mm-hmm. So about, you know, like 25 years ago at this point. So it's like, you know, we're definitely taking steps in the right direction, but there's definitely things where, you know, people are nervous to talk about that. And you think that's like, do you think it's still coming with that bad and like not connotation where it's like, a, you know, not a great thing to talk about or like people are nervous to talk about it. They feel embarrassed type of thing. still at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I feel like now with where we are, like society has accepted it more more people are being honest about it. People are coming out with that and just their experiences, which is so important because that's the only way we're going to be able to destigmatize mental health. But what you're talking about is that stigma a lot of people still experience it. A lot of people still feel ashamed, embarrassed, judge, criticized whenever they talk about what's wrong with them. And I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. Like, I'm, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. We all have mental health and we all have different experiences. And I think that's the most important thing when we're talking about mental health is like to be able to respect somebody else's situation. You know, it's something that is very sensitive and confidentiality is something that we always talk about and any mental health professional will tell you that like we honor confidentiality with of course some limitations um you know we're mandated reporters so there's certain things that we would have to you know get help for if there's like suicide self-harm like those intense situations but when you talk to a therapist a psychiatrist a psychologist like those things are confidential and those are things that are talked about um but i think what you mentioned with that example is more of like that initial response it's like okay like you're getting like a parent's getting told like your child has this and that's just like an initial shock that you're like what like don't label my child yeah for sure and you know both of us being you know latino i think that's a big thing in our community as well growing up where you know our parents or siblings or older siblings or aunts uncles they don't want to hear that type of stuff too like sometimes where oh it's an excuse or no you're not you're fine don't worry about it it's definitely stigmatized right. in our you know just in our you know um i want to say well i guess the population too but you know in our upbringing and i you know it's just that's really prevalent i i feel like i can sp- speak to at least in my setting growing up for sure it's yeah. like where you don't want to be labeled that and like the parents don't want to have kids known as that so it's definitely so much like stigma to it like you're saying yeah yeah it's definitely so prevalent and you know the clinician says that was my journey that i started a couple years ago and i've taken a break for a little bit um i do plan on getting back online and my whole initiative with that is to really spread more awareness like i said 
you know, like what matters is how you experience things what how you deal with things and how you're you know responding to situations that's all what mental health is it's the thoughts the feelings the behaviors and i think the one of the ways like i said it's like talking about it of course but also understanding it and that's my goal with my mental health instagram page is to talk about it talk about those topics that like you've never talked about with anyone else or maybe have don't even know what they're called right like sometimes we experience sleep challenges or maybe appetite changes or you know racing heart and we're like well what does this all mean you know but sometimes they're related to things that are related to our mental health and we don't acknowledge that and sometimes we tell somebody about it and they also don't know so now they're telling you oh go see a doctor or don't do that don't cry about that like stop doing that you know stop complaining stop stop being lazy and it's like those are really criticizing comments to make to someone who might be struggling at what point does it become like just like a one-time issue or like once and every now and then issue though and it becomes like okay this is when i should talk to somebody like yesterday i woke up like at 3 30 in the morning i don't know why i i drink a lot of water so i went to, I to go to the bathroom came back from the bathroom i just couldn't sleep after that mm -hmm. so you know that's first time this happened in a while but so at one point is like okay i have a sleep disorder or i have something wrong with my sleep because of my mental health at what point should i be like hey i should seek help at this point Instead of just turning, like, you know, a one-time instance into a big deal type of thing. So, technically, no. Um, so, that's one of the main things that, two, two points of that, right? First of all, we should not diagnose one another or ourselves. I think that's a big problem I see a lot of the time is because you say because you woke up in the middle of the night, now you have a sleep disorder. Like, that shouldn't be the case. Like, you woke up in the middle of the night and now is something to be attentive of. You know what I mean? So, now... Is it happening for two weeks? Usually a two-week indication means, okay, there's something I should look into. You know, like now I should go see a doctor or yeah, a professional. Sure. You know, but I think what you're asking is more, let's look at patterns. Patterns indicate a lot of things when it comes to mental health. It's one thing, you know, because maybe the day before you drink a lot of water, maybe you had to get up, you know, but some people, because they're anticipating something, they're really, really nervous. Now they're losing three hours of sleep, you know, for sure. and maybe it's happening only twice a week maybe it's happening every day maybe it only happens once in a while but again i think understanding where your symptoms are coming from it's it's understanding yourself you know for sure and i'm just uh laughing at what i'm about to say not what she was saying that did, did i tell you this last time you're um the lost files guys there's a lost file i don't know what that'll happen don't get this hard drive i'll put it up there mm -hmm. it's a bad hard drive apparently deletes files my guy alan m film says he said he started using it, then he threw it away. Yeah. There's a SanDisk mm. mobile portable hard drive. Motherfuckers. I hope that file is found one day. <laughs> don't know. I genuinely don't know what happened to it. Got the pictures, though, from that day. That's but cool. um, that's how you about my ex, um, Hars Racing and stuff like that. You can say it again. Yeah, so yeah. it was funny. Like you're saying, I was, I was laughing because, you know, there wasn't something wrong with me. It's just the, like, paranoia or, like, scaredness of, like, my ex gave it to me. And, like, she was just... It was bad. It was a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. And I, it was like over at that point. And I was like, well, I get to the ending stages. But she would call me a lot. And I hate talking on the phone. Like, mm -hmm. I hate talking on the phone, especially if, like, we're not in a good space at that moment. Yeah. Like, we're about to break up. And um, basically, I was fine for a little bit. Like, I was, I was good. I was good to break up. I was completely fine with it. But she, like, texted me. And then the minute, like, her name, I saw her name, like, on my phone pop up. My heart started racing again. Literally, I'm like, it was like the stress of like dealing with her. Right. And like, I, at that point, I was drinking like prime energy drinks. I still do every now and then. But um, I always drink energy drinks and I was completely fine. And my friends are like, maybe it's because you're drinking that prime. And I'm like, no, I've been drinking that shit for like six months, bro. I'm fine. Yeah. But it's probably a situation. Literally, then, you know, we stopped talking for like two weeks after that. She reappeared again. The minute she called me, my heart started racing again. Mm, so see, that's a good pattern that you're noticing that <laughs> she's very toxic for you. Oh, for sure. Very but it's like, unhealthy. Oh, very unhealthy. unhealthy. You know, I'm really good at taking my taking myself away from the situation. But like you're saying, instead of being like, oh, there's something wrong with my heart or let's get to like high, jumping the gun is yeah. being able to realize like, okay, this isn't something completely wrong where I need to seek help. This is where I can detach from this girl. But you need to know when to you know, be able to, you know, distinguish your situations though. Right. Which is right, key. Right. And, you know, if you really just don't know and don't feel like you have support around you, like then seek the help, you know? Um, and one of the things I wanted to mention, so I'm a mental health clinician and, you know, me being independently licensed with my, with my licensure, I can practice on my own. 
most of my experience the past five years have been in a medical setting. And the reason why I want to mention this is because this is one of the ways that Rhode Island, I'm speaking specifically for the state, you know, since I've graduated my master's program, they've initiated this program where like they put counseling in a primary care. So that's where most of my experience has been just because it's a way to say, you know what, and think about it too, like in your situation, like whether it's you, your parents, your family members, like when something is wrong, you usually go to your primary care Mm -hmm. doctor, you know? So a lot of my referrals have came from doctors who say, hey, this person came in to see me and, you know, they haven't been sleeping or, you know, they've been really sad for the last two weeks. Like, let's, let's see if you can meet them and talk to them. And that's kind of how our relationship starts. And I'm decreasing stigma in that sense, because this person, let's say this person gets dropped off at their doctor's office for an appointment, right? They don't need to know what appointment it is. You know, that's so, what I was to say, too, because that's the thing, too. Actually, in the Sopranos, bring oddly, but not thinking about bringing them up, but it just happened to be like okay. you're in a thing. It's like so the confidentiality of it, too. It's like instead of going out to like say if you just had an office in the middle of the street, like the middle of a busy street. People are going to know you're going into the office. Yeah. That's what I was going to kind of bring up. Like, how do you go if you're trying to be low-key where you're not being, oh, I'm going to see the clinician, where if someone doesn't want to have that stigma on them? Yeah. So I think, like, some places even are, like, more hidden. So definitely a busy street probably wouldn't be a good place to put a private practice. Um, depending for sure. But the location, if that's something that you're worried about, you know, trying to find a way that works for you. I mean, now with society after COVID and the pandemic, telehealth, which is like virtual like appointments, those have been a big thing now. And from the comfort of your car, from the comfort of your home, somewhere that you have a private space, you can virtually call your therapist and have a session with them. And even by phone sometimes too. So it's like, there's other ways like to go around this. And as we're talking about confidentiality, one of the main things I want to say is like, people only know what you tell them. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people think like, wow, like I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't want to seek help. Like I, I mean, you know, I might be feeling embarrassed. Someone might judge me, but it's like they some in some in some situations they won't even know if, unless you tell them. Yeah, that being said, like for hundred percent, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you're trying to eat healthy, if you're trying to be on a diet. If you're, you know, I'm going to die. Oh, you're going to die. What the hell? They only know you're going to die because you just said that. You could have just right. said, you know, I just ate. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bringing that attention to yourself. Like you said, you don't, they only know what you tell them. Right. So um, someone told me that recently. That's a good point. Like This is like kind of like a year ago, sort of ago. If you don't want someone to judge you, if you're eating healthy or not drinking or you're doing something, then don't tell them. Like you yeah. said, don't tell them. Yeah. You don't, they only know what you know. Your mental health is so important and only you need to know what you need for it. You know, you know the kind of support or treatment you need to get for yourself or that you're willing to try. And no one can judge you for that because that's your decision. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, that's your decision, like, you know, like Cindy's saying, and it was your decision to get off social media. So you said it's been about a year. So, you know, that's a significant decision. So, so what do you think, what insights can you give taking that year? Well, your break off for your clinician says, or have you been completely off social media? So, I've been on mine on the Keep Up With Sin. That's my personal Instagram. It's private. I use it for more to connecting with my, um, you know, my closest people. Um, And even then, like, I have noticed that, like, I've just been more mindful with life in general that, like, social media is no longer taking over me. Like, you know, I check it sometimes just to see what's going on. I'll be on it for, like, five minutes and then get off. Like, Mm -hmm. and even if you see, if you follow my, my personal page, like, you'll see, like, I barely have posted too. Like, I don't do that as often anymore. Like, I've just gradually, like, reduced my time on social media. And it's not, like, anything on purpose. It just happened just because I realized, like, being present in, in, like, real time is just so much more important for me. Um, and I prefer doing that. I like, I like, like, connecting with people in person and, like, being with my family and my friends, you know, my loved ones. Um... There's just so much to it, but getting back to um, your... Yeah, so your the question. question was going to be, what insights or like personal growth did you experience like during this break and um, how has it influenced your approach to mental health advocacy? Yeah, so there's kind of a couple things here. So the clinician says went on a break um, more so it was February of 2023 and I just feel like that was a time in my life where I discovered so much about me. You mentioned ADHD earlier, and as an adult, I actually got diagnosed with that. Um, And again, this has parts to it because, you know, I got that stigma from people in my life. They're like, you have ADHD? Like, like how? Like, you're a very calm person. And it's like, you know, ADHD has three different types. And a lot of people, they recognize it as a hyperactivity 
you know, someone has to be like bouncing around and, and, you know, just walking back and forth, talking really fast, like, you know, but there's also inattention. And then there's also a combination of two of those. So I got diagnosed with the inattention and that's when I really like found out and it all makes sense now as an adult who's in my late twenties, like, I'm like, wow, like it really has been hard for me to like balance a lot of things at once. Like, you know, when at this time in my life last year, like I was, you know, transitioning into different parts of like my young adult life, you know, moving out independently and like, you know, just having a lot of responsibilities on my plate. And with that being said, like being on social media and creating content, adding to like working full time, being a dog mom, being a partner, you know, figuring out so much with my health, like it was a lot to do, you know, and, and then like work was really stressful too. Cause I was working on independently too. So it was just like a lot of parts where I was just like, you know what, I need a break and I need to get help. And when I finally got the help, I had different parts of people like helping me realize like there's nothing wrong with you and you could handle stress, but there's just a lot of going on. And right now we just got to find strategies for you to like be able to handle everything, you know? So I took a few months to do that. And a whole year later, I'm a lot healthier. I have a better like balance of time management and just like over like how to handle stress differently. So I do have to say that that break I've like I found so much in myself. And even though, you know, ADHD, there's no cure to it. You know, like medication, people say like, oh, like, you know, there's such a stigma with medication, too, you know, but oh, it's something sure. to help you cope while you're dealing with stress, you know. And then there's other strategies and interventions that we can learn, you know, time management's a big problem for me. And like those who know me know I'm late. Like I'm telling you I'm <laughs> on the way. I'll be there 20 minutes. Yeah, right. I'll be there in an hour. Like I'm oh. late everywhere. You and Elroy would be great together. <laughs> <laughs> time management's a real thing. And for so long, like people were like telling me like, what's wrong with you? You know, they were blaming me for being late. They were like, you're so irresponsible. And like, that's, that's not even the case. Like I'm not trying to be, but like the way that time works in my mind, like I'm not good with it to begin with. I'll tell myself, okay, like I only need 30 minutes for this. Like ends up being an hour and a half. Like, you know, I was completely wrong. And that's just something that I've learned about myself. And once I learned that for myself and started working on strategies and also educating the people around me, they also had more respect for me, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. But well, one, thank you for being early today then because you're right on time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the credit. <laughs> but um, I mean, just I'm not sure if this the other side of it, but because I'm pretty laid back in a situation like a majority of situations. I'm, I think I don't get I don't get flustered and I don't care about things. I don't make situations out of nothing. It takes a lot for me to get upset pretty much. Yeah. So do you think you're just like dealing with people who made little situations to big situations, which made you think about it more? Like say like that, that was with me. I don't like, I don't know. I'm not talking about his back. We've said it, he's been on podcasts where we talk about it. Like Elray, this guy is notoriously late. He is like, you'll be, we say four, he gets there at eight. Mm. And yes, is it like frustrating? Yes. It can be like annoying for sure. But, like, it's never to the point where I'm, like, this fucking guy. Like, I'm, like, genuinely mad at him. So, I'm not sure if people, like, are genuinely mad at you. Like, I've never been, like, yo, what's your problem? And stuff like that. It's just, like, you know what? That's that's El Ray. That's how he's going to be what I wish he's at not this like point, that. you just know him. Yes, I wish he wasn't like that. But it is, just, it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't make a big situation out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, if he, when he comes, he comes. Do you think people just, um, like, not you, that other person do are they just making big situations out of nothing or that's something you really you said you've addressed it like you said you're on time today so is it like two sides of the coin or is it strictly all on you or is it all on the other person as well i think it's a mix of both um so like again before i've, I've learned about myself in this problem that i've had like you know, I would just show up and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late, you know, but now I, I, I've learned to like kind of give the heads up. You okay. Know? Yeah, yeah. Like you just wouldn't, you just wouldn't take their feelings into consideration of what you're saying. Now you're being more, you're, you're being considered other people's time now too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I brought up plenty of times, but like I've seen a podcast with LeBron, obviously, you know, LeBron's, yeah. I can imagine super busy. And he said that if he plans something with somebody for the first time mm -hmm. and they're late, that's his first and last time making plans with you. Mm. He's like, he's he's too busy. If you're not going to respect his time, then he's not going to respect you as a friend and he's just done with that relationship. Yeah. With someone that level, I was like, I get it. It was like, if yeah. you're going to waste his time, yeah. 
then sure. don't even bother. And in certain situations, like, again, like, this is something I'm dealing with in my personal life, right? But as a clinician, when I have appointments, like, I have a schedule to follow. So, like, my clients should respect my that appointment time, too. You know, like, if you're going to be more than 15 minutes late, we're going to have to cancel your session because... <laughs> I can't let us run late and then go into my other client's appointment, you know? So there's definitely boundaries in certain situations. Oh, for sure. And do you think being a professional in that aspect helps you realize like, damn, I'm kind of being a hypocrite. If people can't be late to me, I can't be late to Jimmy John's birthday where I'm like, hey, sorry, I'm two hours late. And you're like, wait, well, I was just mad at Jimmy John earlier for being late to his appointment. So... I don't know. I kind of disagree with what you just said because, you know, ADHD, it's it's not it's not an excuse. It's not made up. It's a neurodevelopmental issue. So this is how my brain works, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. But like if someone tells me and I've also came up with a technique for my friends, like my friends are amazing. Like they know about my time management issues. So now what we our deal is like if reservations are at 730, tell me they're at seven. Because I'll but, get there on time. But you know they're lying. So what's the difference? Um, it, it, No, like the way my brain works, it's okay. Because some of them <laughs> still, you know, some that, of them. That's what people say that. They're like, oh, just lie. Oh, but he's going to know I'm lying. So if I say, hey, maybe at six, he knows goddamn well I'm not going to dinner at six. So why when I say six? He knows I'm lying. Yeah, but the way my brain works, it's like if we plan dinner for 7.30 or you tell me seven, the way my brain works is, okay, I have to finish getting ready at seven. And I'm in my car and going. Like, Again, I'm a, we're not arguing. I'm just bringing up the other <laughs> side. I'm just curious. Like I'm generally like, even saying the hypocrite thing, I'm just like bringing the opposite side to it just for conversational purposes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm genuinely intrigued because when someone's like that, it's like, Elray will ask me or you'll ask me. Let's say you use this instance so Elray, whatever, both are late apparently. So if you ask me, hey, Effie, what time is dinner? And I say eight. You guys are going to show no matter what time I say. So I would say the birthday party's at I'm gonna 10. I'm going to try, though. If I'm hungry, I'm going to try. <laughs> so I'm going to say, so like, oh, you have your birthday party, your 30th birthday party, or wherever. It's that needle and thread. Okay, what what time is your start? Why does it matter? You're going to show up at 12 anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's certain I'm scared, situations. I'm scared. Like, my, like, my hand when people say that. I was like, why, why would I? I mean, Elray, you can't show up four hours late. <laughs> like, that's just not okay. Elray, I'm talking about 30, maybe 45 minutes on a bad day when I'm really rushing. But you like usually thirty minutes late is like what I'm running on. <laughs> Interesting. I just it's just yeah, it's just intriguing conversation to have. I just yeah, I just don't lie anymore. Like, yeah, whatever. If it starts at eight, you're gonna show up at whatever time anyway. Like yeah. Natalia will show up at one a.m. I'm like, I will never forget this time in high school <laughs> or college, wherever, whenever it was. I was having a party. It started at whatever time, like you know, ten, eleven, whenever typically start. Natalia showed up at three a.m. And she's like, where is everybody? They left. <laughs> they left, motherfucker. What do, you, what do you mean, where is everybody? They were here. That's something for she would say. Five hours. What do you mean, where they were? And she was like, genuinely, oh, where were they? Oh, bro, I don't know what to tell you. You're five hours late. <laughs> no. Usually there's like, you know, and this is probably me being the empathetic and understanding, right? But like, there's probably a reason we're really just saying, you know, there's other things that can distract us. And again, I can only speak from my experiences with ADHD, like, you know, sometimes again so my time is wrong but then something i've also learned about myself is like when i'm focused on something like that's the only thing that matters in that moment mm. so it's hard for me to dive into something because i don't want to stop it you know and this kind of goes along with everything if i'm cleaning i need to finish cleaning then and there because if not i'm gonna get distracted with something else and then that cleaning is just gonna stay there you know um and then something else that helps me too is like chunks of time like I'm telling you, time is like definitely one of my biggest flaws. And again, it's something that I've learned about myself. People around me have learned about my like about that about me. And it's helped our relationship, too, because, again, communications, everything. And, you know, just respecting that, at like, OK, like you need this amount of time for this. Like we're going to give you that, you know, um, I don't know where I was going with this. That's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Now, I definitely uh, I definitely understand it for sure. Like, you know, time management is definitely a big thing as well. And. Let's go back to touching back what you said earlier, because I've been bringing this up on podcast recently, and I've been implementing it in my life as well. As people know, like I'm definitely on social media. You know, I got my YouTube page, I got TikTok, I got Instagram. Yes. Two, I got my personal and my okay. podcast one. So you know, I got the podcast, Instagram, TikTok, and can I disrupt you? Yeah, for sure. Go How for it. How do you make time for all that? <laughs> yeah, I can. I can definitely get to that. Um, <laughs> but so what I was about to say. Um, I like the I like the questions. No one ever asks questions, so I'm not gonna forget that question. But um, just when I'm with somebody, 
now. Like say, no matter who it is, it could be a date, it could be with L, with Brandon, Casey, my mom. I don't like to go my like if I'm out on dinner or at a bar, I'm not pulling my phone out no more. Like I don't I don't pull my phone out really at all. Okay. So just give like you said earlier, giving that people that respect of like we're going out together, let's have a good time together. I don't need to be on my phone. Don't get me wrong, like oh I check in every, every now and then, sure, but I'm not yeah. gonna be just on my scrolling, phone twenty four seven scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So um, I think that's that's bigger now because you go out with somebody. And it's just people on their phone 24-7. And like, I went to, I was just in Phoenix. These fuckers stole my idea. I've spent the pockets. I've said it before. I guess L, Brandon, Casey. I said it. This is my goddamn idea. They took it from me. But um, having a bar where, like in Phoenix we went. I'm going to put it up on my personal page at some point. It's called the Trophy Room. It's cool though. You go there. You put your phone in a lockbox. Like in a, they have like a whole wall of like lockboxes. And you put your phone in there. You have to. You can't go in. And you go in. It's everyone just talking to each other. And that's really like, cool. Yeah, I went with Casey. And we met these two people from Phoenix. They were a vibe. But like, we would have never spoke to them if we were on our phones there. Because there was a time where we weren't talking to each other. We would just go on our phone on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Those awkward moments, right? Exactly. Or, or then getting caught up and taking videos and pictures that you're not even enjoying yep. the moment. You know? Exactly. I've been saying that from the jump that we should have something like that around here it'll just be cool you go in i'll have a camera set up we can take photos at a backdrop everyone likes doing that you can send it to yourself but that's it no apple watches no phones get that like back to the 80s 90s vibe where you're going and actually talking to people because i feel like people do go it. and no do one talks it. to each other <laughs> it's a vibe trophy room is a vibe it was cool as shit yeah, that sounds like so much fun yeah it's like and some people are like oh but like why would like you think people are actually going to go and do it? I'm like, well, I did it in Phoenix. I think yeah. it's like a cool, it was, the shit was packed. If you want to go in there, you got to do it. Yeah. You got to follow the rules, you know? It was, it, was, it was cool. So, um, but getting back to your question, how do I do it? I, 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 even it's so funny with Casey and Phoenix, we did so much. I was there for like five days. I'm going to be posting stuff from Phoenix for like weeks. I got so much content from everywhere I've been. But, um, we were, the I got off the plane and she's like, oh, like, you want to go back to the hotel and change? I'm like, hell no. I'll, go, I'll change in the bathroom. I literally changed in the bathroom at the airport. I landed. She picked me up. We went to two bars. Next day, we went somewhere early in the morning. I forget where we went. We went, like, what are we doing on Friday? No, that was Friday I came. Wait, I don't know what we did. Oh, she had to work. But then the next day, we went to Grand Canyon. We went to Antelope Canyon. We came back, went to a bar, went out, came back next morning, went hot air balloon, came back, did that, ATVing, came back, went to the Suns game. Woke up the next day, went to restaurants in between that, went to bars in between that. When I left, Casey said she slept for 17 hours straight. <laughs> She's like, I was so tired. Yes. Like, I've been out with like my exes. I went, my exes, I went, an ex in New Orleans. And she was like, Can we like stop? She's like, you, Are you not tired? I'm like, No, I'm good. <laughs> like, and it's not like excessive. You've been around me, but it's not like this guy needs to fucking like shut up or something. Like, it's just, I'm just natural. Like, vacations, I can go into overdrive. Mm hmm. That being said, even like with social media and stuff like that, I don't know. I was like, the podcast, I haven't put up like clips like this week, but in my head, I'm like, I'm trying to do like two a day. My personal, I'm trying, I've done like a post like every single day this week. I don't know how, honestly, I don't know. I don't have like a set schedule. So people think I have like a set schedule. I don't. I don't know. Just in my head, I'm like, I need to do this. So I'm going to do it. Like, I'll figure out time to, to go to the gym. I'll figure out time to go to work. Um, different ventures and stuff like that. Honestly, I can't, I can't give you an answer. It's just like a ambition. Like in my head, I listen to a lot of podcasts of like entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've listened to Kevin Hart's books, um, David Goggins, a bunch of different, you know, people who inspire me. Like Mark Cuban is dope too. I'm not sure if you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Just different entrepreneurs who've made it. And it's like, they just don't stop. Like the rock, like the, when does this guy sleep? Kevin Hart, yeah. when the hell does this guy sleep? Stephen A. Smith, He's a sports like uh, personality. This dude is up all day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if they can do it, why can't I do it? Type of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I think like the drive, the inspiration to like help people out. Because even on the podcast, you know, I'm giving people, you know, a platform and stuff like that. I'm generally intrigued in their conversations, getting people on, learning from them. I don't know, just like the, the drive to always be better for myself, I think. Or it's like, I could be doing more. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm doing fine right now, but I think, I could be doing more, and I and I want to do more. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't really instead of having downtime, instead of watching like don't get me wrong, I do watch Netflix and stuff like that, like streaming apps or whatever. 
but in my downtime, like instead of doing that, I want to learn and be productive, be productive. Like, um, he came on the podcast, but Carlos, he does, he teaches bachata and salsa and I could always dance bachata, but like, I, I thought I was like really good, but I guess I was really basic. <laughs> I thought I knew how to dance salsa, but definitely do, did not, do not, did not. I'm, I can now, but like to the downtime, I was taking classes with him. Mm-hmm. I've been, uh, taking Spanish class like five, like four days a week for like okay. five months. So instead of like, oh, let's just sit at home doing nothing. Or something like that. Like, let me find stuff to do in my downtime mm-hmm. and like improve myself. So I'm always like on the go. Mm-hmm. Long-winded question, answer. You can dive into that more. But basically, for me, I think it's just the drive to do better okay. and not being content. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm gonna do it. All right. No, that's really awesome to hear because it sounds like you juggle a lot. So with the traveling in between. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's go me. You. you can go in um, if you want. Yes. Um. Oh, for me, I think it's just like no excuses from people. Like, like you said, like, kind of coming back to what you said. For me, at least, no excuses for me. You know, everyone's different. But I guess I'm just holding myself to like, uh, let's see what more I can conquer and what more I can do. And um, maybe have it too is like proving people wrong too. Because I know, like in high school, I went to I went back to my old high school, did like a little uh, talk. I was cool with the religion teacher. Shout out to Vargas, he's the man. And he reached out to me. He's like, I want to come back and talk to the kids. I did whatever. Long story short. One teacher, she wasn't even my teacher. She was like, oh, I heard you do this and this and that. I didn't expect that from you. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, you don't even know me like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like having that stigma of like who I was or what people think I am. Or I don't know. Or what like, what could do. What could do and stuff like that. It makes me like, all right, I'm going to prove everybody wrong type yeah. of thing. Just internal ambition, I guess. Yeah. 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 So um, <laughs> for you. That was me. Well, all personal experiences or turning points led you to a career in mental health. That you know, that's what led me to want to prove people wrong. What led you to get into the career space of mental health? And have you had how have those approaches shaped your approach to counseling? Are those even correlate with each other? Like <laughs> what personal experiences or turning points led you to choose a career in mental health? All right, let's take Look at that, that one first. Let's take that one um, first. So honestly, probably just personal experiences and just the passion for want to advocate for others. Um, I didn't even know I wanted to be a therapist. Like, I mean, going back a few years, I mean, I wanted to be a teacher from like young. And when I started college, you know, I had some internships where I practiced that and I saw the limitations right away where I was like, okay, like I do not, first of all, I want to get up early and have this very strict schedule also the limitations of the impact I was going to have on those children. I was like, this is way too limited for me. Like I care too much about this child and that child versus the whole classroom and what I have to teach them. So I was like, this isn't for me. And that's when like I had um, a conversation with another like social work professor at the college and, you know, we had a talk and at this time, like there was also a social work stigma where they're like, oh, like this, this career sucks. You're not going to make money. Like, you know, there's not much to do with it. And once I had this conversation with this, with this professor, I mean, she, she really like brought in that for me. And she was like, this is probably what you want to do and just don't know it. And that's when I started doing research. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it regardless of my parents' approval or not. Cause they were really like, be a teacher. Like you're going to make so much money. And I was like, yeah, but it's just not really for me, you know? And once I got into social work, you know, it was, Got my bachelor's in it first. And from the bachelor's program, I had the opportunity to do my master's program in a year. So I did that. And within those gangsta. two... Huh? It's a gangster. <laughs> yeah. I know. You don't hear about that often. But um, to get my bachelor's and my master's within a couple of years, um, you know, that was amazing experiences. I was able to travel to Puerto Rico after the Hurricane Maria and, like, help out there and just see so much trauma and the individuals that stayed there and survived that, like, really traumatic experience. And, you know, at that point, I was really just helping with basic needs and just resources. And, like, you know, we, the second year, I th- I, that's the year that we, were like, provided, like, mental health training and, like, support. But we couldn't do the counseling. But I just saw how much people were hurting and how much it affected them, but also how strong they were. And that was, like, so empowering for me that I was, like, I want to help people. Like, I want to help with mental health. I want to learn more about this. I want to learn how to help people recognize that strength within themselves. And that's when like everything changed for me. And once I got a master's in license and everything, like, I mean, I got more experience. I had a really great support network at that point. And 
I've been doing it now for the past five years, you know, but I think ultimately like now knowing as much as I do, I'm like, okay, like I've gone through this in my life and I'm like, I just wanted someone that can understand me and support me. And that's what I want to do for others. I want to be able to help them and hear them and, and share with them that it's okay. Like mental health matters and we're going to get through this. You know, for sure. And you actually did answer the question. I said, how have these experiences shaped your approach to counseling? And you actually answered that within the question. Okay, so that yeah. it did correlate. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> I, I, never, I never, I made these questions. I don't remember. But, um, <laughs> you know, definitely. I mean, that's, that's a lot to it. That's cool. Um, like, like you said, when people have like a path for you and it's not for you, mm-hmm. you know, it's not for you. Like I've, you know, just kind of challenge la- that shit. Yeah. Challenge that shit for sure. Like, now, I've had people, I have friends who, they people ask me all the time, is there somewhere you want to move? And I've never had that, like, I've traveled a lot, and I've never been somewhere, and I'm like, this is for me. Like, I have a friend, Chris, who's been on the podcast. He's like, when I came to Columbia, I'm like, this is where I want to be. And so, like, you know that same thing, like, your career. Like, someone's telling you, like, oh, you know, Columbia's for you. And I'm like, yo, it's not for me. Like, I don't know. If people, it might be for you. Right. That's you. Being a teacher might be for whoever is telling you to be a teacher, like your parents. But it wasn't for you. But you knew coming into it, this is for me. Okay, you you get that, you know. Early, be here by seven. <laughs> what? I can't do that. You're like seven. You guys tell me five a.m. Like, and I'll be there on time. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll be going to the meeting. Like, oops, the class started two hours ago. I was like, oh, we need that substitute teacher because I'm late, baby. You know for sure. And the follow-up question that I was, you know, bilingual counseling involves more. That's your parents, but for counseling. I'm not sure. Do you have bilingual like uh, clients? Yes, I do. So bilingual counseling involves more than just being able to be bilingual. Is there like a challenge in navigating the cultural nuances and emotional expressions unique to both English and Spanish speaking clients? Like, is there is there like um do you have to deal with like just not the? I guess is there cultural battles yet? Like for your parents, you, obviously there is, but like, do you deal with that more? with clients or do you think people come in seeking your advice and help are more prone to like being helpful or you still have to deal with those same things you're dealing with your parents with um so i feel like when it's like young adults or like adults um it's not too bad some adults have like difficulty understanding again because of maybe how they were raised um i feel that i see this challenge a lot when it's like children who obviously are raised in america but then they have parents who weren't Um, Or just were raised with, like, even more, like, cultural parents, you know? Um, But I just feel like a lot of the time I'm doing a lot of education, like, letting them know, like, you know, and just normalizing things. Like, you know, there's something wrong with your child, you know? And people think that treatment means medication. It's not just medication. And, like, sometimes medication is something that can help, too, you know? So it's just really normalizing. Um, But... But yeah, I feel like culturally, I mean, I think it helps that I'm bilingual, Jada Español, and a lot of people relate to me because of that, um, especially if those who don't speak English, like they can understand me, you know, we can talk about certain things in certain ways. It's not like I have to use a translator or have somebody translate for them. So I just feel like messages come across, across a lot better. No, more genuine, like more you understand genuine, where they're coming yeah. from for sure. And, you know, in my approach as a therapist, I mean, I have to understand their culture, you know, so if they differ from Dominicans, you know, I want to know about that. And before I even like pitch in on like education or normalizing or, you know, exploring certain things, I want to know more about their culture and how these certain symptoms or problems have like affected them and or affected their families. And just, I want to know more about it before I, you know, I go in and like intervene. And I think that's my main approach. I don't think, you know, I think culturally, you know, I'm, like something that I also care about too is like making sure that the information is available in Spanish. I think we have so much information in English and I take a lot of time also creating like workbooks and certain worksheets in Spanish that aren't already available. So that's something that eventually when I get my clinician's buzz back up, that's going to be something to offer. I just get it. I just yes. get it, baby. Yeah. So touching back to Sopranos. <laughs> You his, like that, huh? I don't honestly, I don't think it's that good of a show. I'm just watching because, <laughs> like, I've been told, watch a million times. It just happened to be it correlates perfectly with this because mm-hmm. Tony's therapist has watched this. Eh, yeah, it's a yeah, it's on, up your alley. His therapist has a therapist. Mm. So, how do you feel about therapists having therapists? Is that like because when he found that out, he was upset. He's he like, was what? Upset? He was upset. And this was again 
based in the 90 like 98 stuff like that but he was like why why does my therapist have a therapist do you think there's stigma coming with that what's your thoughts on that we are all human and i think you know to one extent i think that being a client seeing your therapist right like you see this person as like wow like this is a goddess right like they know so much like they're helping me like this is my person right and this is why there should always be that confidential like line there because like someone once told me too like i think i had asked somebody that i knew i was like oh how do you like your therapist and their comment was i know nothing about them and i'm like huh okay they shouldn't know anything about them know anything about you you know and i think that's something i truly like try to do as well like i'm on social media my personal page is private so if a client sees this, I'm sorry, I'm not going to add you. Um, the clinician says it's public and that's obviously the platform I want to be on. And eventually once I offer services, even then there'll be more like, um, there'll be some policies around that too. Like if I'm already seeing you in therapy, like I'm not going to be able to offer you services online. Like there's just, there has to be those policies, you know, to kind of separate the two. Um, but what I was just basically saying is just like, I, and I've even heard that too, like, where people go like, wait, you go through things? And it's like, yeah, like I'm a human. And just because it's my profession, like I still have things going on, you know, and that's not a conversation I have with my clients. I mean, for the most part, they respect that about me. Um, but, you know, for example, like there's a surgery coming up in my future and I want to be on medical leave. And medical leave means that I'm not going to see my clients for some time, you know, and something that I was hesitant about is even telling them because I'm like, some of my clients might ask me, you know, like, like about my personal life. And I don't- Did you? get a bbl (laughs) (laughs) let's see just kidding but um but yeah like i was just like really thinking about my clients i'm like you know this is something personal to me and i'm not one to really i'm so i'm such a humble person and this doesn't even have to do with my profession but just in general like you know my personal life my personal life i really want it to be like private you know and just share it with the ones who are closest to me so you know when i was like i have to tell my clients about this like you know, I know there's going to be some of them that are going to ask me about certain things. I'm like, what do I say? You know, but I, I can't. you feel bad if you're like, hey, I can't talk about this. No, that's the boundary I allow. Like I, I, I put, you know, I, I make that boundary because I have to do that. I mean, I mean, how does that change? I, and I'm wondering, like in that character, like how did that change? I haven't got to it yet. I'm, I just I just to got to the episode where he's like find out he's upset. It's a lot to it. Basically, he had he likes his therapist, so like he had one of his like guys who works for him, like his on the his um, private eye guy, tail her because he wants to like know what she's up to because like he likes her mm-hmm. type of thing. So that's how he found out she she's a therapist. Mm. So I don't know what happens next. All right, well, get back to me on that. Unless I watch it myself, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good, but, I like... I think there's nothing wrong with it, though, honestly. And, again, that should be confidential. Like, I don't know how he found out, but... Oh, he had his private eye follower. That's how. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's totally, yeah, he, has, he hasn't told her yet, but, yeah, yeah. So, that being said, so, um... It's you, not as easy as that sounds, though. Usually, that stuff is very confidential, even to oh, get sure. records, like new releases like you know that stuff is really private so if you're thinking about getting a therapist get one don't think about anybody else like do it for you i mean have um you know being you said it's not you're you guys are all human have you had like any do you think being in your position do you need to go through that yourself or is that something i guess everyone's different so like you specifically did you have to go through something yourself to be in the position you are in now or is this something you just want to help people out in are you asking if I've gone to therapy? Not therapy. I mean, therapy or like, I mean, anything like you've gone through any experiences, you've gone through that made you like be more empathetic for people. Like, did you have any like traumas or anything like that? You like you're willing to speak about on camera to like, you know, like you said, everyone goes through stuff. So I'm not sure if you had anything you want to speak about or not. Or you can tell me next question. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I went to counseling at the age of 15 and that was the first time I ever had done it, I think. Um, and I had been in it for a couple of years and then, you know, I've stopped, I've gone back I've had moments where I'm like, Oh, I just need to talk to someone. So I do. And then times where I'm okay. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely sought it for what I needed it to. Um, the other thing too, with the, um, social work profession, I can only talk for social work. That's the experience I have in, um, something that's so important is that like, while you're practicing with your first licensure, like after you graduate, you need to get supervision. And supervision is basically like a one-on-one with like another social worker, another therapist who's going to be able to like, you know, just 
usually it's one hour a week sometimes it can be more than that but it's a time where you can talk about certain clients or sometimes even have like self-reflection so I feel like for a lot of it like as I was like learning this like whole field and like what I was doing you know having that support with a good supervisor like I was able to really learn about experiences certain diagnosis like certain things I can do for them but then also reflect on myself because of course in my field like well in my in my setting right in a medical setting working with children adults like families like I've seen everything like at this point I've seen all the different populations but I've also seen so many different situations in terms of depression anxiety ADHD um trauma um domestic violence substance use like I've literally seen so many things I've learned from and some of them are harder than others you know because whether I relate to them or I don't know enough about it you know but supervision really helped me get through it and that's something I'm going to be offering as well, part of my clinician side stuff. Maybe tap in. The clinician says, baby, let's get it. Yes, social workers get to me. Oh, for sure, for sure. So like you said, you know, you're 15. Do you think there's a difference? Like, what's the difference of speaking to a social or like a therapist opposed to speaking to one of your best friends? Oh, it's so different. Um and no offense to any of my best friends, but I think like just in general, when you're thinking about a friend versus a professional, you know, a friend is going to be like sympathetic in a sense, right? Like when you tell a friend like, hey, I'm going through this, their first response is usually like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going through this. And that feels good to hear, right? But sometimes that also can go to, I'm sorry, you know, I know you feel that way. So do I, or so have I, or... I went through something like that too, you know? So in a friendship, it's like a two-way street, right? Where like you express something, but then they also want to share something with you. Whereas a professional therapist, right? Psychiatrist or psychologist, like any of the mental health professionals, right? Like you don't know anything about them. They're not there for that hour, that session to talk about them. They're there to talk about just you. So even if I feel a certain way with my, like when my client says something, that's not for me to tell them. Like I'm there to help them out and support them. And that session is all about them. That's how I view it, you know? And that's how most of my, our like mental health professionals, they think that way, you know? And I just think that that's the difference. Like therapy and all these mental health treatments, that it's about you and how you get supported versus a friendship, you know? There's just less boundaries there with that confidentiality because your best friend, your friend, you know, accidentally can go tell another friend, right? Or in public, announce it really loudly, you know? And again, they probably didn't do it intentional, but like, there's just no boundaries there where like, yeah. a therapist can't go and talk about it in the hallway, you know? You know, for sure. For sure. I mean, do you think there's, um, how you think, phrase that wrong. So when someone tells you something, are you giving them, what's like the, it's like the structure there. Like, say if I'm telling you something, the premise is, okay, say I have a girlfriend. I cheated on her. I was wrong. She dumped me. <laughs> that's, that's real quick. Like, I was wrong. I, che- I admit to you. I, yeah, I cheated on her, you know, whatever. But she broke up with me. Are you going to be like, no, you were wrong? Or is that the type of thing where you're kind of just being like, oh, no. Like, are you sympathetic towards that? Or are you just like, so you, I- you give them the heart, heart honest truth. Like, okay, you were wrong. Like, you should probably say you're sorry, stuff like that. Like, how does that go about? So one of the things I always say too, like we don't give advice. Mm. A lot of clients don't like hearing that. They're like, I came to you so you could tell me what to do. It's like, no, 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 no. Like we're here to help you figure out what you need to do. Like I can't tell you what to do, Effie. Like if you're starting to wake up in the middle of the night, I can't tell you go back to sleep or take a med. Like I can give you those options, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you have to decide what is best for you because you know yourself. So we don't give advice. And you know, there's certain situations in therapy where we might confront someone, right? Like, if this is ongoing and, you know, these situations keep happening, at some point, like, the therapist has to be real with you and tell you, like, hey, Effie, all right, let's look into this because now more than one person's saying this about you, you know? You know, yeah, a uh, quote like, I love is, if you go outside and one person's an asshole, that person's an asshole. If two or three people are an asshole, maybe you're the asshole. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, I think a lot of the the therapeutic interventions and therapy are really related on having you self reflect and process things. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like majority of people, I can, you correct me if I'm wrong. Thank you guys for advice. I feel like that's what 
you know, if people slip up and they've told me, oh, yeah, you know, I, I see a therapist, blah, 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 blah. And I tell them this. I'm like, I was under the depression. It's like they're giving them advice. No, not necessarily. I mean, there's certain times where I might be more direct about, hey, you need to do this now at this point, you know. But most of the time, like, I'm over here. Like, so if, if this was a situation that where you came to me for relationship advice, for whatever, you know, I may just ask you certain questions so that you can answer them yourself. I've been a girlfriend for a year. And... I got really drunk last night, hooked up with a girl, and she went through my phone, she tore the texts, mm. and she caught me. Then what? I mean, How yeah, she, she, took, she took all her stuff and she left. Okay. I mean, I kind of don't blame her. Yeah? I mean, what would you do if it was, if it was you looking through her phone, you know? I would have been pissed. Would you have done the same thing? Yeah, probably, yeah, more, more than, more than likely for sure. Yeah, I would have. What do you think she felt? Pissed off. I mean, we've been going on the past year, so. <laughs> so what made you do that? Just kidding. Let's stop. Yeah. There. <laughs> I mean. But basically, like that's what we do. Like usually, responses should be questions. Like they should be exploratory. Like it's really helping you get to the bottom of why did you do that, and now what does this mean for you, and. If, again, if it's a pattern, how do we stop this pattern for you? Because now you do this to one person. Can you do it again to another person? Like, how do we maintain relationships so that they're healthy for you? You know, so there's a lot to it. You know, there's a lot of different interventions that we learn as um, mental health professionals. And, um, you know, it depends on the situation for someone, for example, that uses substances or wants to go to the gym, but it's so hard for them to get to the gym. Like, you know, there's certain techniques that we use, right, to increase motivation. So that might not be the same thing that we're doing for someone who just lost somebody. You know, there's different techniques that we use. So it really is all depending on the situation. Yeah, depending on the situation, like you're saying, is there ever situations that, like, being in, like, such a serious, like, setting, is there ever, like, a time and place for, like, humor in, like, the, you know, the clinician space? Um, you know, I feel like there wouldn't be. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Like, is there time to humor inside those situations? Sometimes. Tell me why you 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 think that there's not. I feel like majority of times you're going in there, you're talking about. I've had to assume it's morally like. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. This is coming from the side of it. Morally, mm-hmm. like more. Not positive stuff. That's the best way to say it. That you're going there, you're going there, like you feel some type of way, you're upset about a situation, you're upset your boyfriend or girlfriend did this to you, or you're feeling some type of way about you're upset, you're depressed, or you can't sleep, like you're saying. Is there times where people come up to you more like positively and they're coming to you when they're feeling good? I feel like wars are more the depressing, and when would humor play into that? So I guess it just depends on where the person's at. Um, there are clients who definitely come to you when they're maybe at a, at a stressful point of their lives or a different mental health stage of their lives. Um, sometimes when you see someone for so long, you also see that positive side, right? Where you see them feeling happier and they still want to continue following up with you. Maybe it's not as every week or as frequent, but maybe we follow up every couple of months, you know, or every month or, you know, you share what you've been able to accomplish and what you are still able to, to achieve and, and continue practicing, you know? Um, so I'd say like, it's not all about the negative stuff. Like we definitely have some positive, you know, and even in the negative, like what my approach is to also try to find the positive, you know, a lot of the times with depression, like we feel so alone, we feel so sad. And it's like, you know, despite all of that, and this is not me like downplaying any of that. Right. But towards the end of a session, usually I say, but what's one good thing that happened to you, you know, or tell me one thing that you're going to try to like be mindful of until the next time I see you, you know, what's one thing that you're going to practice gratitude towards, you know, and just trying to implement that positivity. But some people have it already and I don't have to do much, you know, and before you say anything to get back to that humor, it's appropriate sometimes. Um, I would just say to be sensitive, you know, there's, it's not, you have to know the time to use it. You know, if someone's crying, I'm not going to laugh at them, you know, but for example, um, Sometimes we have situations where, you know, someone's so stressed, but then I might be saying something about a situation that happened and that's where I might, you know, have a giggle with them, you know, because yeah, you're stressed, but you know, you dealt with that or you witnessed that or they did that, you know, like let's laugh about it. And 
it's all about body language. So, you know, I'm trying to make that person stop crying. I'm trying to make them stop feeling so angry. So I'm trying to use different techniques to help them realize, like, you know, you don't have to be in that stage all the time or that mood all the time. You know, we can try different things. You know, for sure. That's a, I guess that's a stigma. We can also, like, everyone, like, the mental health space could address as well. It's like, it's not always just negativity. It's positivity as well. And I feel like... You don't associate that as much, and that's something that could also be addressed as well, for sure. Yeah, especially with you when you said, I can only assume. Yeah, I was on the opposite side, you know, it's the podcasting <laughs> duties, you know, you gotta get you somewhere to speak, and I'm leading you up, throwing you an alley-oop over here. <laughs> but if you were a superhero in the mental health universe, what would be your superpower? Superpower? And what kind of challenges would you tackle? I shocked you on this one. This was a fun question I kept. Superpower as a mental health clinician? Yeah, I guess. Okay. I want to offer free therapy and free medication to all my clients. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 definitely a superpower of every superhero for sure. <laughs> that's definitely something where I feel like people, you know, that can be also a thing where they want to get help. They're like, how much does it cost and stuff like that? Or yeah. what are my co-pays and things along those lines for sure. Can I say a second one? Yeah. I want to disappear all the stigma, honestly. We shouldn't deal with that. We should get the help and the support that we need when we need it. We shouldn't be questioned about certain things. We shouldn't have comments that are judgmental and make us feel worse about ourselves. Like, we shouldn't have to deal with that. And I hope that after this talk, like, seeing me as a young professional, a Dominican female, young, I want to emphasize young because, like, I think it's amazing. I graduated at 23. By 24, I was already a therapist. And, you know, I've got even comments, too, from some clients, like, wait a minute, you're my therapist now? And it's like, excuse me, like, I have a lot of education, like, I can help you, you know? And people, sometimes I've gotten, like, I've been, like, rejected because of that, of how young I am. And then I also had other people who were like, I can't believe I've, like, you've helped me so much. Like, you're the, the, the age of my child, you know? And then I've had other people around my age, around that young population, like, a young adult population who are like, I relate so much to you, I trust you. I like you, like I want to keep talking to you. So I've gotten so many different criticisms, but that just makes me stronger as the person I am. And I'm so proud of where I've gotten and the opportunities I've had to be where I am. And really like grateful to be here talking about this. Like <laughs> Have you had any like uh, memorable like language mix-ups like in, um, I guess in your life or in like counseling sessions or like, you, you mix up like speak Spanish or English or anything like time. that? Oh my God. With my Spanish clients, like I always say, sorry in advance, like I speak Spanglish because <laughs> there's just certain words you just cannot translate. And that's the thing too. Like when you're getting a degree, like in America, you're getting that shit in English. So like all of my learning techniques were given to me in English. Like my books were in English. Like my training was in English. My professors were mostly English speaking. So it's like, you know, I had to learn how to translate therapeutic interventions in Spanish. There's a very limited resources. And that's, again, one more thing I'm going to advocate for, like, in my field, because we need it, like, especially with our culture, you know. We need to tear people. We need to share information with people. We need to teach them how to do certain things and understand where things are coming from. We need to teach them breathing techniques. We need to teach them coping strategies to help them not feel as stressed or overreact to things, right? And... If it's in English, that's not going to make any use for them. Yeah. But, but yeah, I definitely speak Spanglish. Yeah. And as a clinician, how do you continue to grow professionally and stay up to date on the latest developments in the field? Yeah. So in social work specifically, we do a lot of research. We're very research based. Um, so just reading online databases, um, keeping up with like, you know, podcasts exist. We do a lot of workshops and it's actually required for our license to do um like continuing education credits. So every few years we have to report it. So it's something that, you know, we have to continue doing, continue doing trainings. Um, I take advantage of any training that comes my way, especially if it's free, because that shit is not cheap. Um, but, you know, I I just learn a lot. And especially being on, online now, a lot of things like, you know, I, on my clinician page, I follow a lot of like mental health pages and I learn about different strategies because some people specialize in certain things. And, you know, just from those brief posts, like I can learn a lot about from them or like watching videos, um, you know, the DSM, which is like our Bible for mental health professionals. Like that's the one that has all a diagnosis, like even till this day, like, if I'm five years in, I'm still learning about new diagnosis and there's always revisions to those books. So, you know, what that just, abbreviation stands for 
yeah it's <laughs> it's like diagnostic statistical manual i think it is sounds good to me i think so sounds good to me <laughs> make sure you google it first, so. <laughs> i'm pretty sure it is though <laughs> I, was, I was just curious yeah so and for individuals facing mental health challenges or contemplating seeking support what advice or guidance would you offer based on your experiences as a clinician so i'd say seek help no matter what no matter what they think about you no matter what critical things you're saying to yourself do it find help start with your doctor if you need to look online call go, your insurance tap into the clinician yes, says follow me i'm gonna have so many resources available to you and eventually or even now like you can still contact me if you have questions i can always guide you how to find someone um and i do have a specific post that also tells you like the main like links or ways that you can find a therapist for you um another thing too i would just say start small like if finding treatment is too much of a big step for you, you know, just start reading things online. Again, finding information, um, you know, learning more about yourself, um, finding ways that you can kind of like look into yourself. So journaling is a really great way. And I know people are like, oh, I don't want to write I'm in, a, in a diary or in a journal. But sometimes, you know, especially if you're feeling away, angry or sad, like just write to yourself. And you can literally do that physically with a pen and notebook. You can do that on your phone. Like we have a notes app. For sure. They have downloadable apps that you can also use that like have journal prompts and stuff. So, you know, just start small. Don't overwhelm yourself. Don't tell anyone if you don't want people to judge you or even just come off with that. You know, and even seek people that maybe might understand you. You know, if you do have that one person in your family or your friends that you're like, hmm, they support me. I could talk to them, you know, do it. And you might actually be surprised. You have a couple of questions. I, I like to ask everybody on the podcast. If you had a billboard in Times Square, what would be on your billboard? It can be graphics. It can be text. It can be whatever you want. You have a movable one. You have one that stays in place. But big billboard in Times Square, what would be on the clinician says Cindy's billboard in Times Square? Mental health matters. Duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Would you have and a graphic on there? And the clinician <laughs> says logo in the back. Yes. That's in the top corner right now with that, baby. And you better zoom that in. Oh, uh, hey, <laughs> I used to have big logos like on the page, but it throws people off. Oh, to tell okay. them, yeah, it looks better. Like it looks better like that. Telling you, I used to have, <laughs> go back to old podcasts and you see the big EG pod on the right. It wasn't the vibe. Mm. It's too big. You it's like you learn from that. Yeah, for sure. You definitely learn. You definitely learn. Yeah, no, for sure. It was a great podcast. Do you have any uh, last words for anything with had to do with the clinician says you want to end off? 2024 is just starting. It is January 11th. This podcast will be posted somewhat in like maybe the next two or three weeks. Got a couple podcasts, podcasts lined up. So um, this should be dropped like February. So do you have anything for upcoming 2024? Any expectations? Anything they should yes. see coming from Cindy 2024? Yes, yes, yes. So like I said, I've been next month when this releases, it will be like about a year that I've been offline. The clinician says, but it's going to come back. I've been working behind the scenes. I'm working with a marketing expert right now and we're working on a website and like I don't want to release it until like it's perfect in my eyes because first of all, that's just how I am. But like, you know, I just want to make sure that it represents who I am, my style, my format, and it offers the services that you might be interested in. So I want to make sure that it's exclusive, it's ready for you. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm making time each day to create content. Like I want this again to represent me. And, you know, I'm into like the monochrome, monochrome, is that how you yeah, say it? Yeah, monochrome. Yeah, yeah. monochrome. Um, I'm, I want it to be inclusive. Like I'm not as of right now like my practice is open to any gender like you know i'm not saying like i just want to work with these people like right now i just want to give information to whoever wants it you know that's Love my audience it. and i want to make sure that i help you and i help the people around you because you deserve that and um yeah i mean my goal is to offer like i mentioned earlier to social workers like supervision i want to offer like some tutoring um for the licensing like process um, I want to offer some coaching and some consultations and just other guidance. Like self-help is such a big like part of this that like if you feel that you don't need therapy, you don't want medication from a psychiatrist or anything like that, but you just want to help yourself and you want techniques and resources, like I plan to create that for you. 
make sure this happens. So the clinician says, baby, that's getting a big thing I like to do. Well, one, you know, um, glad you came through. My flowers to you. Doing what you're doing, it takes um, a lot of guts and takes a lot of grit and dealing with that, you know, these field you're in it's not easy so shout out to you because you know people like you the clinicians like you help everyone you know be become a better person help themselves out so um you know what you're doing is crucial for the environment well for the community and it's definitely um very appreciated i know a lot of people don't get the credit they deserve in that field so keep continuing doing what you're doing is huge help for everybody inside the community so um just want to give you your shout out and flowers because um and okay, that can be overlooked. It's not an easy job for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like to give, well, don't give out flowers while they can. You can say anything about me if you like, but anybody flowers and shout out for you coming through on the podcast. Make sure you tap yes. in to keep up with sin. And the clinician says, make sure and you tap into your boy, explore FF and all social media travel ventures coming up this upcoming year. Um, going to be pushing out a lot more content floating your pages so if you don't like it you can hit the unfollow button if you don't want if you want but if you're here you better be following if you're here you better be following eg pot on all social media tiktok instagram app podcast spotify as get it send us to the moon as get it baby <laughs> fuck <laughs> that's the one i'm gonna hit <laughs>